Hello, I'm three-time Brit Award winner Colin and you're listening to a little food podcast called Dishing It. Oh, you barking, Ramsay. Always stealing my spotlight. I've not won a Brit Award just yet, but one can dream. But you are listening to Dishing It, where today I'm joined by food and fitness guru Scott Bapti to uncover food myths, dieting tips and keeping healthy. And on that theme, I took to my stories last week to ask my followers if calories didn't exist, what food would you eat every day if you could? To say I was left hungry after responses was an understatement. Bad planning on my part, I should have maybe put the story up before I had breakfast that morning. I could have ate everything that was mentioned. So we had Mackey's honeycomb ice cream along with masses of tiramisu, ham and cheese croissant, croissants, crescents, however you say it, smoked salmon cream cheese bagels, hell yes, twirls with plenty of red wine on the side, I hope, and a resounding cheer for pizza. And I'm with you there with big chunks of pineapple on top to at least attempt getting some of your five a day in there. And there was more plugs for members of the Carbs family with gnocchi, bread and butter pudding, oh, and tiger bread. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of tiger bread, a big, thick chunk straight from the bakery section with a big spread of Larpak salted butter on top. Whew, pass me the loaf. I also asked for healthy hacks to help to beat any sweet cravings that you have. We had pineapple on the grill with cinnamon on top, what an idea that is. Rice cakes with dark chocolate, cherry smoothies to hit that sugar fix, and honey on toast. Peanut butter on toast is always my go-to, with a little dollop of honey as well, just to kind of get that balance of salt and sweet. Options hot chocolate, got a few shout outs as well, always the mint one. Segments of frozen banana with peanut butter sandwich in between, a great shout, but I will pass on that because bananas absolutely give me the heave, but a great hack for any banana lovers out there. And places to get a shout out for booking a celebratory table following Operation Beach Pod included the Kildrummy Inn, Maggie's Grill, Buta Burger, not heard that one, so I'll be checking that one out. Number 10, Brew Dog Cafe Behem, thank you to keeping it all local, great shouts. Um, and we also had a few call outs for the braided fig, which we probably want to mind too. The menu there is crazy good and it's always changing, it's always something different every time, it's a fantastic place. And finally, we got one entry that said, anywhere with you. Oh, cute. Clearly they've not seen my table etiquette. <laughs> so on to food highlights, and I'm dedicating this week to one special cafe that I can't stop thinking about. I finally paid second home studio and cafe a visit at the weekend. And as the name suggests, you'll want to move in after your first visit. Aberdeen has been needing an art cafe for such a long time and Second Home definitely fits the bill, bursting with plenty of colour and not forgetting tip-top coffee and food. I ordered the blackcurrant crumble pancakes which were a special for the weekend topped with the cafe's homemade and delicious blackcurrant sauce, crunchy crumble and a scattering of flower petals. I think it may have been the prettiest plate I've ever set my eyes on. Even prettier than a Disney princess, let's put it that way. When I return, which won't be long, I'll be hitting up the bagel and flatbread offerings that they have. They look and sound banging. I grabbed myself a window seat and to set the scene, the cherry blossoms were casually swaying in the wind, birds chirping, the sounds of Fleetwood Mac playing from a chilled playlist. It goes on. This place was zen zen, zenny zen zen and then some. Here you can help yourself to art supplies and sketch while you sip your coffee, pick away at your cake, something that I haven't sat down to do in years. It really is a place to take a step back and switch off. That afternoon, they were hosting their first sketch workshop in a few weeks with local artist Gemma Hare. And there's more workshops like this to follow in the future, which is really exciting. In its seating area, there's a wall full of sketches of all different types of beautiful body shapes and sizes. And it got me thinking about this week's episode with Scott. 
It's taken me a long time to feel comfortable in my own skin. And to be honest, I'm still working on it. I was in the obese bracket all the way through my childhood. Always the last in sports day. I had to wear adult size clothing because the kids' age didn't fit. Dreaded swimming pool days. Always got the look of disapproval from teachers when healthy eating was a class topic that day. And of course, called fat by complete strangers. All these experiences gave me the motivation to lose weight in my teens, but also resulted in a short-term eating disorder and an unhealthy relationship with food that still stays with me today. Now, don't get me wrong, I love food and dream about food every hour of the day, but my unhealthy triggers with food are a real balancing act for me daily. When I eat a bit of cake, I'm already planning what I'm subbing out the next day. When I have a chipper, I'm planning my next run. When I devour a bar of Cadbury's, I pedal a little bit faster to work the next day. The cycle goes on. But what I've found over the years is that it's a real balancing act to keep healthy and self-torment does not help anyone. And that's why I wanted to record this episode with Scott. One, because health and fitness is a genuine interest of mine. And two, to understand the topic better and maybe help someone out there who thinks the same as me. You'll hear it in my chat with Scott, but there's a real penny drop moment for me, which completely changed my thought process about diet since our chat, and I hope you find it useful too. I want to point out that this episode isn't about being skinny or about fat shaming. It's about striking the balance and changing perception of diet. It doesn't have to be a boring life of lettuce, nor a life chained to protein shakes. It's about making sensible choices and doing what works for you. So to the kid, teen or adult that thinks they're too chunky, gangly, bulky, stumpy, flat arse, top heavy, pigeon chested, you name it. Remember the only person you're in competition with is yourself and just keep on doing you. And if anyone ever thinks it's okay to make a negative comment about how you look, just remember that you do not have an ugly personality like themselves. Give an uncomfortably long disapproving stare and take the high road in the opposite direction. Whilst internally shouting, cue bleepers. Oh, f you, you ugly, ugly centered thunder with sprinkles on top. Or say it out loud. Your body is nobody's business but yours. And with that out of the way, on to today's episode. Right, let's get going. Hi Scott, welcome to Dishnet. How's things? Thanks for having me on, Colin. Looking forward to, to chat. Yeah, how's it all going today? All good, mate. All good. This is the highlight of my day, so uh <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> that, that that will give you an indication to how the rest of the day's been. No, only joking. Oh well, uh, the um we're recording this session uh, just shortly after Easter Sunday, so I have ploughed through my Easter egg stock. So I'm looking forward to talking about all things fitness and nutrition with you. So um, we'll kick off with where it all started for you. How did you, how did you get into fitness and nutrition? Um, not the most conventional way. Like a lot of people who are sort of in the fitness space usually start out as personal trainers and then go online from that way. But I actually was working uh, in an office. I was at a desk and I just set up a blog uh, called Food Fitness, which was just where I posted what I was doing in the gym. Uh, recipes I was cooking, um, meal plans I was following if I was trying to get leaner or put on muscle and so on. Uh, and then that turned into a business and ended up packing in my job, did that full time, went back to uni to do a master's in sports nutrition. Um, and they say the, the rest is history. Was there ever, have you always been into fitness or was there a kind of turning point as you were growing up that kind of really got you into it? Or has it just been something that's always been ingrained in your DNA as such? I was always into sport. Um, I played a lot of sport when I was younger, 
golf, badminton. Um, and then when I came to uni, I, I played the same. Well, I didn't play much golf, but I played badminton, but I'd never really been into fitness as such as in people's idea of going to the gym. I mean, uh-huh. prior to uni, I'd never gone to the gym to work out. And then in first year, we were in catered halls and ended up gaining quite a bit of weight through a combination of just not really having much of a clue about what I was eating and the fact that you could have chips with every meal and that, <laughs> you know, you're going out drinking on a Wednesday night and then ordering a pizza at 10 o'clock when you're playing the PlayStation on a Thursday, just because that's what you can do. So ended up um, gaining a bit of weight and then started going to the gym to try and do something about it and then got quite into it uh, noticed I was able to you know make a difference I was losing weight I was putting on muscle and then I just started reading about it and trying to think you know how can I get better how can I get stronger how can I just be more efficient with what I'm doing and that was really the that was that was the change really that I needed pizza at 10 o'clock at night the days yeah it was the gate I don't know if it still exists but it was um we used to get, it was called the Gate Crasher Pizza. Was it Heavenly Pizzas that did it? I can't remember, but it was a huge pizza. Um, I remember getting that one. Uh, yeah. So I, I still don't know. You, you, you're way more uh, familiar with the Aberdeen food scene than I am at the moment. So yeah, does the Gate Crasher still exist? I will tell you, I, I haven't heard of that one, but if you are back in and you're needing a pizza fix, you need to get Big Manny's Pizza. I've heard uh, many good things about them, yeah. By the sounds of what you're saying, it sounds like it might be the same size, if not bigger. <laughs> okay. um, honestly, those pizzas are bloody huge, but they're really good. Um, so from all that, when you got into fitness and you kind of were doing your blog, you obviously then kind of appeared on a few fitness magazine covers. That must have been a kind of whirlwind experience, kind of going through that whole setup. Yeah, that was quite interesting. So the way that came about was I was quite competitive. And to me, because I was going to the gym quite a lot and getting really into it, and I thought, well, you can essentially compete in powerlifting or weightlifting, um, you know, gym-based sports, essentially. Or you could go down the, the fitness modeling side of things and that, that's why I did. I sort of set myself the challenge of saying, well, I wonder if I can get in good enough shape that I could get on one of these magazines that I read, um, you know, when I was starting out, like I said, when I started going to the gym, it was men's fitness and men's health and muscle and fitness and all that. So yeah, I decided to see if I could get in that kind of condition. Um, dieted down, got, got really lean and was fortunate. I got picked up by a fitness modeling agency um and yeah my second my first ever fitness gig was for men's running and then my second one was for um the cover for men's fitness so yeah that was that was pretty cool when I was doing that that was the kind of clientele that I was working with it was typically males of the same age as me with the same kind of goals who wanted that kind of look um so it worked really well um and was able to sort of share the experiences I had doing it with them as well but yeah looking back on it now um now that I'm married, got kids, and run a business, I don't, I don't think I've got, got the kind of dedication that I need to do it again. I'm afraid. I know because it must be a lot of upkeep. Like it, it must be like intense, like many days at the gym and stuff to maintain all that. Yeah. So when I was doing it, um, 
you kind of have to when you you sort of sign to a fitness agency you don't have to stay you know it depends some people people are in london who did lots of jobs all the time and that was almost like their main source of income they were they could pretty much shoot a magazine cover any day of the week um but for the rest of us who were not down there and weren't doing as many jobs then you could afford to not be you know absolutely peeled all the time so it was not as intense as some people think but um yeah when there was when there was a job then you did get leaner um and around then i would be probably in the gym maybe five times a week uh, minimum um but but at the time it wasn't a chore that's that's the thing it wasn't oh god i've got to go to the gym it was i really loved it. it yeah it was a lifestyle it was just it was a hobby. Uh, my pals went to the gym. Um, it was, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a chore back there at all. Okay, because I was going to ask if it was like a, if you felt a pressure to constantly maintain the way you, I imagined it being like um, Devil Wears Prada, like fashion industry, like you told us you had an eight pack, you've only got a four pack, what the hell is this? Uh, That's what <laughs> I imagined it being like. <laughs> oh no, it was, uh, it, to be honest, it's, it's just... Uh, it's a lot more relaxed or my experience of yeah, it was a lot more relaxed. Um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't quite like that. I've never actually seen Devil Wars Prada, so I can't give an exact comparison <laughs> it's a, it's a, for it. But, um, it's, a, it's a great film. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so and along the way um, during your career, you've even had the time to to write um, your books. So you've uh, written 100 way, 101 Ways to Lose Weight and Never Find It Again, along with your, I think it's seven protein handbooks. Almost, um, yeah, six, good almost. enough. Yeah. Six, oh, close, close. Um, is that a different type of motivation um, that you've had to find from kind of fitness motivation, taking it to kind of sitting down and, and getting stuff written? Um, yeah, it is different. But again, it wasn't really that hard to do because, so the, the book, the weight loss book, 101 Ways to Lose Weight and Never Find It Again, stemmed from... Um, a lot of people used to ask me for book recommendations, like, you know, what, what's a good book to learn about losing weight, burn fat, um, you know, changing body composition and so on. And I never really had a go-to book that I could refer people to. I said, you know, this one's okay. There's some from here you could use, but ignore that section. And this has got a good bit on exercise and so on. So I kind of just condensed all the stuff that I knew to be effective and, and things that worked. And that, that's why I did it. Um, so sort of the go-to, I know I'm biased, but because I wrote it, but that's sort of my go-to <laughs> book that people say, oh, what's a good book? Well, that, there you go. go Actually, my one. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is as well, the whole approach that I take to fitness is to try and make it as easy for, as possible for people to get results. And when I started out and when I did those initial um, cuts and so on, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to the best information i did some things that just weren't necessary i overcomplicated things i wasted time in some areas where i should have been focusing on the other so yeah i've made a lot of mistakes and i've tried a lot of different approaches and different diets and so on and the idea of of the book was to just whittle all that down to the stuff that actually makes a difference and the stuff that is enjoyable and the stuff that you're, you're most importantly sustainable um, and the book's also, again, not really that difficult. It was a case of um, I enjoy cooking. I like making stuff up. I like looking at other recipes and merging them and modifying them and adding more and take to it. So it was just a case of just writing down what I was doing in the kitchen already, to be honest. 
that's good and it's it's so good I suppose to have your kind of background knowledge of like doing it yourself and knowing it works for you and kind of just replicating it for other people and putting it down into a book which as you say um was kind of like second nature it was everything you knew and it's great that it's been received so well and people find so much value from it as well like your 30-day challenge as well sees amazing results um, and people um what would be like your words of wisdom for people when they get to the end of the challenge to kind of maintain the momentum I suppose yeah so well that's the whole um so the 30-day um high protein fat loss challenge is yeah as the name suggests it's 30 days focusing on high protein foods um if the goal is to lose weight but the the thing about it is that it is just really normal foods and that's again a sort of misconception that I challenge is that people often think that there are certain things as fat loss foods or muscle building foods and so on the food that you can eat is all the same it all comes down to the quantities and the amount of calories you're consuming so the the idea behind both the high protein handbooks and the uh, the challenge was to show people that well the foods that you can eat are just fairly normal things it's like bolognese and stews and curries and um, lasagna and, and so on but we maybe just tweak the ingredients slightly to just reduce the calories and increase the protein and the reason why we have a higher protein intake is because it's uh, excellent for helping you recover from exercise and if you are trying to lose weight it's for satiating meaning it helps you to to feel fuller for longer um, and that's one thing when people are consuming fewer calories that you want to keep the hunger pangs at way um, so that is a benefit of protein it helps you to, to just feel fuller so once they've done the, the challenge actually going back to your question it's because they've just been eating normal food anyway it's not like many diets when if if you've cut out a load of foods that you would normally eat from your diet and then you, you do this for like 30 days or 90 days or however long then there's a high chance that you will go back to including all the things that you just ate before um, because it's not representative of what you would call normal eating and that's why a lot of diets don't work um you know if, if the extreme example of, of the cabbage soup diet if you're eating nothing but cabbage soup there's no way it's going to last because that is just terrible it's a terrible idea yeah. <laughs> um but if you can if i can show people that well you can lose weight by eating foods that you'd be happy to keep eating and that your kids will eat and your other half will eat. They won't go, oh, what's this healthy meal that you're serving us? Um, because it is healthy, but we managed to sneak the vegetables in in other ways and uh, drop the calories down by just using less oil and so on. Um, then that's the one of the big benefits of it is that it is very sustainable. And when you read the feedback in, uh, on Trustpilot, for example, it's people saying, yeah, I did this back in October. October I did it in July last year and I've kept the weight off it's not like oh yeah I did it lost a load of weight in 30 days and then I gained it all again so yeah that's the big thing is, is sustainability yeah definitely I think that's that's what I really love about your account all the kind of recipes that you share that stuff and it is that sort of thing it, it kind of suits the whole family it's not that the the person who's on the diet has to sit at the other end of the table with their lettuce leaves or whatever that no one else wants to have like your your food that you make is kind of for everyone and I think that that's why it's so successful and so many people kind of sign up to it. And it's good to hear that people keep on sharing their good feedback for it as well. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I mean, it's so sad when, I mean, the amount of times that people have told me about plans that they've had in the past off the internet or from PTs and like, yeah, I had to eat this and 
none of the rest of the family would eat it because it was the sort of stereotypical chicken, broccoli, and brown rice six times a day. And you're like, well, Oof. no wonder. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Let's talk about lockdown. Obviously, we're still in it. We're, we're nearly edging out of it. With gyms being closed, that's been a, a massive impact on a lot of people. I suppose you're, you're based out in, the, in Aberdeenshire, so I'm assuming you maybe have a home gym set up with you. Was it, was it hard to stay motivated through lockdown for you? We don't have a home gym, but it is on my to-do list. I would love to yeah, okay. clear out the garage. <laughs> sorry and, sorry and to rub it in. <laughs> sorry. No. <laughs> uh, but was it hard? For me, I was fortunate in that um, we, yeah, we stay out in the middle of nowhere, so we don't do that much socializing anyway. Uh, <laughs> not We're not hermits, but we just, you know, it's different. If you stay in the in town in the city, then you, you're more likely to be going out and so on. Um, so for us, it, it wasn't wasn't too bad. And it's, I mean, we're kind of getting bored of it now, but on that side of things, we're okay. In terms of motivation, um, we spend a lot of time outside anyway. Um, I'm quite into gardening, so we've got, you know, we'll grow our own fruits and veg here. So I've, I've got to get outside nice. in order to, to look after that. Otherwise, there is no food on the table. Literally, we yeah. are putting food on the table from the house. Um, Amazing. And we stick, we've got a dog uh, and we've got a little one. So we're kind of out walking anyway. Um, and I'm quite addicted to getting my 10,000 steps in. I've had this, you know, I've been doing it for years now and it, I'd feel I'd get the shakes probably if I didn't manage to get my 10,000 steps <laughs> in that day. So uh, fortunately we were okay, but I know a lot of people did struggle with it because it was very different to what they're, what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, fortunately we've been, we've been on the, the better side of things. Oh, that's good. Space to roam. Great to hear that you grow your own vegetables as well. That's something I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah. but never, never have the time to do it. What's your main, what's the main thing growing just now in the season? Well, this is just the, the start of the season, really. So it's just really just been getting things in the ground. I mean, I actually sowed my ties today, uh, this afternoon. So they got in the ground. I put carrots in um, last week, but then all the snow came. So I don't know if any of them will come through. But we've got, you know, onions in the greenhouse and salad. Uh, it's been growing. Uh, tomatoes have been planted, ready to go out in the, the greenhouse later on as well. But it's oh, uh, yeah, I really, I really like it. It's, it's not something that I've I've always done. It was when we stayed in the town, um, we had a garden, but we didn't grow anything in it. And then when we moved out here, uh, the house had quite an extensive vegetable plot anyway. So it was literally Google how to be a gardener, and you know, <laughs> obsessively watching Gardener's World and Beach Grove to try and learn out you know what the hell I'm actually doing. Um, so yeah, we've had uh, a few disasters of entire things dying and. Uh, extreme bumper crops of other ones that I've had to, you know, just hand out to people all the time because we've got far too many, but yeah, we're, we're, we're getting better as we practice it. Oh, well, in the future, there might be the Bapti, Bapti farm shop. You never know. Maybe, who knows? Never <laughs> who say knows? never. And obviously with gyms being closed and kind of people struggling to stay motivated, there might be a few of us who have been uh, victims of lockdown pounds what would be and the best place to start for anyone who's struggling to lose weight so often it, it asks people um three questions and it's what could you maybe eat more of what do you think you could maybe eat less of and what's the easiest way that you're able to do it because most people will have a rough idea i mean you might think well yeah I'd probably 
a little bit more vegetables. I'm, you know, don't really eat that many, so I could probably do that. Would you eat too much of? Well, yeah, I find that myself. I'm eating quite a lot of crisps in the evening when I'm watching Netflix. So I can maybe try and cut them back. And how are you going to do it? Well, maybe you could start ordering your food online um, so you can make a plan and plan out some of the meals and so on and, and do it that way. Or you could do a little uh, chart and you try and do every those habits for the next 30 days and see if you can do it every day. And if you do, then you reward yourself at the end of it. So that would be the thing. Um, it doesn't need to be extreme changes. And that's what a lot of people think that they have to do something pretty dramatic, but they don't. We're looking at making the smallest change that gives you the, the greatest impact. And that doesn't mean you have to go running every single day and drink celery juice for breakfast and just eat kale for your dinner. It's just make a little tweak that you'll actually see yourself continuing to do even once you get to your goal weight and not just something that you're going to do for a couple of weeks and then stop. So sustainability is, is key when it comes to both yeah. exercise and training make sure you actually like it and that you'll you'll keep doing it ah fantastic and you mentioned there um kind of suggesting kind of foods to get you need to get more off in your diet i know for me i really struggle with getting my head around protein what would be your kind of top food to eat to get a good source of protein so when people think about protein uh, and they think about getting more of it, they always often think, well, I need to start taking protein shakes, especially if they are going to the gym and into exercise, like, oh, I should probably take a protein shake. But you certainly don't need to. You can get all the protein that your body needs from whole foods. Um, and if you eat a, an omnivorous diet, uh, if you do eat uh, animal products, then just lean protein sources, chicken, turkey beef lean pork and so on um these are all good sources of protein and also you've got your plant-based sources too beans pulses various legumes and so on and and dairy um milk yogurt eggs etc so these are all quality sources of protein and it might just be a case of just trying to get a decent serving we're, we're talking about a decent serving being about a fist size um that you know like a fist size that'd be like a chicken breast or a flat hand would be you know, like a fish fillet for example okay. just try and have something with every meal um and often people will have very little protein at breakfast so maybe you can try some of these high protein uh yogurts or you could try and have eggs in the morning or um a little bit of smoked salmon if you've got fancy breakfast tastes that's those are the easy ways to do it you don't have to go to having a protein shake yeah, because I think that um, I'm like a keen runner and whenever I'm like Googling, like like you do your gardening, Googling how to get more protein in your diet or whatever, like it's always they're plugging the kind of protein shakes and stuff. And that's just something that's never really appealed to me. So that's actually really helpful. Yeah, if you, um, if you are doing sport, yeah. for example, one of the best recovery drinks you can have is a pint of milk. Um, oh, really? Just semi -skim, oh, cool. Yeah, just semi-skim, pint of semi-skim milk gives you about 20 grams of protein, which is fairly close to what you'd get from a scoop of protein if you were taking it in, in powdered form um there's also carbs in milk uh there's also electrolytes in it as well so it, it's kind of got all the properties of uh, a recovery drink in it anyway and it's much cheaper and tastier and you can pretty much get from any shop that sells food um so yeah that's always a a good place to start if you are doing exercise and looking at increasing your protein and speeding up your recovery at the same time 
Perfect. Adds milk to shopping list. Yeah. <laughs> On to a section where I'm sure a lot of listeners uh, will be sitting with pen to paper ready to delve into kind of dieting tips and kind of debunking some myths that are out there. So the first one I've got is, well, earlier on, I think it was last year, I cut caffeine out of my diet because I read something that caffeine was really bad for you. And then it it lasted till about October. And then I ended up putting it back in. Is caffeine good or bad for your diet? So there's probably not going to be a good or bad yes, no answer for any of these questions. It's all (laughs) context dependent, but in moderation, assuming you don't have any adverse effects to caffeine, like if it significantly impacts your sleep or it gives you the jitters or upsets your stomach. um, If you are someone who doesn't have negative side effects from consuming a moderate amount of of caffeine, then it's, it's totally fine. Um, Again, in moderation, having yeah. several cups of tea and coffee a day is fine. Having 10 espressos before you go to your bed, probably <laughs> not a good idea. Crikey. And eating after nine o'clock at night, should or shouldn't? Again, this is, this is a classic one. You've picked a good time. Nine o'clock's a good one. It often starts earlier. Um, normally, it's, it starts off with no carbs after six, and then it's oh, yeah, should should eat after eight and so on. I didn't um, I didn't want to say it earlier because in other words, I'd have to stop eating. No, stop. that's fine. It, it really doesn't matter what, in terms of affecting your body composition as in how you gain, maintain or lose weight. When you eat makes pretty much no difference. It's all about the total amount of, of calories that you consume um, in that day, not when you eat them. So let's say you are someone who eats 3000 calories a day uh, if you ate most of them before midday or if you ate most of them between midday and 6 p.m. or if you had 500 before midday, 1,000 before 6 and then another 1,000 later, it doesn't really matter because it's the same amount of calories that you eat that day. So, I mean, not this myth affects people when they exercise in the evening. Uh, say mm-hmm. they they go to the gym at eight or go for a run or whatever. And they've heard this myth that all you do, you shouldn't eat before you go to bed because it's, it's bad for you or it increases the, the likelihood of fat storage and so on can then hamper their recovery. So if you're exercising at night and um, then yeah, definitely you want to go and have some um, protein and carbs afterwards to help kickstart the recovery process. But the simple yes, no answer to your, to your question, then no eating after a set time, isn't going to be bad for you unless there are sort of specifics around it. Like you find if you eat close to going to bed that you don't sleep as well or it affects your digestion or, or whatever. But assuming that that doesn't occur, then you're fine. The 5-2 diet, totally worth it or totally a waste of time? So 5-2 or any other. So 5-2 diet for anybody who doesn't know is, is typically you have... Um, two days when per week when you'd eat 500 calories and the rest of the time you eat normal amount of calories it's just a form of fasting when you have essentially these two fast days um other people may be familiar with um the term intermittent fasting uh, and the popular approach is to not eat between 8 p.m and then like midday the next day so it's you know you've got 16 hours of um of fasting than eight hours of an eating window. Um, again, it still comes down to the amount of calories that you're eating, um, whether you know, you'll gain, maintain, or lose weight. 
Um, so it, it doesn't really matter if the five to two diet works for you. It's an approach you like. It's a way for you to control what you're, what you're having and you don't feel grumpy or angry or it doesn't affect your recovery on those low days. It may be an approach that works for you, same as if you just take any other fasting approach, if you find it's works for you. It's all context dependent. That's the key yeah. thing. If it's something you like and you want to do it and you don't have any adverse effects from it, then it's probably not too bad. You might not want to give us away, but what's the best kept secret in diet and fitness? <sighs> Testing you. Right that, that, anyone who, <laughs> that anyone who says there is a secret is talking out their arse. There we go. <laughs> there, <it is. laughs> there is there is no best kept secret. Um, there isn't a secret behind it. It's, it's it's most of it. It's consistency and finding something that's sustainable. There isn't. If somebody tells you that they've unlocked the the secret to six pack abs or never feeling hungry or getting shredded and eating, you know crazy crazy amounts of calories then they're probably just lying to you or that a certain supplement is you know you have to take this supplement again high chance that it's that it's lies good tip right now i'm currently uh, weaning myself off easter eggs what is um a good sweet craving hack that you follow by or you suggest to people trying to get move away from chocolate yeah so when i was go back to the the fitness modeling days um and when i was really controlling my calories and tracking my macronutrients protein carbohydrates and fat then the thing that i really loved was no added sugar jellies um mm. just made more and i'd buy these heartless jelly sachets make up like three jellies put them in the fridge um and they taste sweet there's like next to no calories in them i say they taste like birthdays and they were something <laughs> that i'd always you know in the evening i feel like oh i've got a bit of a, a sweet tooth and yeah no added sugar jelly and it's still some to this day that people say i've got you know a sugar craving in the evening what should i do and like get yourself a jelly get yourself a jelly love it haven't had jelly bloody ages i know see that's, that's the thing <laughs> see, it's a proper nostalgia food you have it and you're like it brings back all these memories <laughs> And what's the biggest diet myth that you'd love to see the back off? That you have to cut out carbs to lose fat. Um, you don't have to go on a low carb diet. It, again, it all comes down to calories, specifically creating this calorie deficit, meaning you consume fewer calories than you burn per day. And you can do that on a moderate to high carb diet. Um, it, you don't have to suddenly not eat any carbs in order to lose weight. And who tells you that is again, um, either straight up lying to you or they are just maybe a bit misguided on what okay. the evidence actually shows um but yeah you can the good news is you can alter your body composition with keeping carbs like bread and pasta and rice in your diet maybe you have to eat less but you don't have to eat none well, obviously it's better to cut back and not cut out unless the only real reason to, to cut a food out completely is if you don't like it, it makes you feel Ill, it's too expensive or you can't find it everyone hearing that you can still have pasta and bread it's like the hallelujah chorus is playing in their ears i bet yeah but one thing is uh, again what a simple thing that people often say to me is when if they're following one of my plans is um because i'm saying that you know have i'll say like 50 grams of pasta or 100 grams of rice or whatever and you have to measure it people go oh god actually that is a, a good enough serving but i was having double or triple that easily without really being aware of it so it's this just mindfulness and having a bit more of 
an awareness of what you're eating can you know have positive effect on you and would you say about 50 grams of pasta as a very rule of thumb but i for 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 me i would maybe say yeah if if you're on a uh sort of a lower you know calorie intake then yeah maybe 50 grams if you're on uh higher 75 if you're on even more 100 again all just depends on the 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 total amount of calories you're aiming for okay perfect and you'll be glad to know the diet grilling is coming to an end uh (laughs) what the final one what is the most ridiculous diet fad that you've heard there's probably been many to be fair I think the carnivore diet, it's semi-popular at the moment and it is just just ludicrous. They almost went, it's like they've just tried to create, so the carnivore diet is you just eat meat, right? nothing else. And they almost it- went and say, right, what do most people agree on that's good for you? Oh yeah, fruits and vegetables. Right, on our diet, we're not going to eat fruits and veg <laughs> or anything other than, uh, oh yeah, meat. So yeah, it's, it's anything. It's a bit like, is that a bit like Atkins? Is is that a similar? No. Well, Atkins was really just low carb. You could still have oh, okay. vegetables with with Atkins, as long as they were just <laughs> again like low calorie veg, sort of fibrous, uh, you know, leafy greens and so on, not um, sweet potatoes and potatoes and butternut squash and so on. But no, carnivore diet is literally just meat. Jeez, oh, yeah, crikey. Okay, well, everyone, don't do that diet because it sounds <laughs> it must be bloody expensive as well, actually. Oh, imagine, I mean, I think folk will go, oh yeah, I'd love a steak or, you know, bacon every dinner. But I reckon after even just probably two meals of nothing but meat, you'd be fed up of it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Boring. Okay. So moving back to um, kind of what you do every day now. So what I love about following you is that I get my recipes, get tips and get a little bit of comedy from some of your posts. And that's also, uh, you sold it well. That's that's there we go. <laughs> Everyone, go go follow. I know when I was saying that, I said like comedy in a bad way, but no, comedy in a good way. A lot about um, banner, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, there we go. A lot about banner. That's it. That's a perfect way to put it. Um, but what I love most is that you sometimes post picture of a buttery, uh, picture of McDonald's, and all that stuff. Is having cheap food the secret to? Well, not the secret. We won't use that word. Is cheap food a key to a healthy diet mindset? Would you say? Um. I'll start off by saying that there's a chipper's coming tomorrow night. <laughs> I've not had a chipper since November, uh, October. And, oh, crikey, uh, how have you made it? How have I know, it? I know. There isn't a good one near us, but yeah, we're, we're getting a chipper tomorrow night. Um, so really, I've honestly been looking forward to that all week. What, what uh, have you ordered or what's on the order? It will be uh, a fish supper and probably half a smoked sausage with butter oh, on the side. Yes. yes, yes. Um, now, Interesting. You use the word cheap food, um, which is a term I wouldn't, I, it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't use it anywhere because you can't cheat on how you eat. Like you can cheat on FIFA, you could cheat <laughs> on a spouse, you could cheat on, on, you know, Call of Duty, whatever. And it doesn't make you popular. Like any form of cheating is going to lose you friends or significant others in general. Um, and I, the, there's a lot of negative um, feelings associated with cheating. So why would we want to take those into the diet, into the way we, well, we wouldn't. So you can't cheat on, on the diet. Now, where you are going, I understand what you, what you mean by this question. And it's totally fine. Anybody who's called it a cheat meal or, or cheap food or whatever in the past, it's totally fine. But 
that when someone has to have one of these quote unquote cheat meals, like a pizza or, or generally just something that's a bit, that tastes fine, is often because the diet that they're following or their approach to eating is so boring and restrictive that they have to have these cheat meals when they can have a pizza or they can have anything that's got a little bit of flavor in it. So what I would say is just try and make the rest of the day, the rest of the week a bit more interesting and try and eat more. That's the whole thing I do with the high protein hamburger is just try and eat foods that are just normal rather than quote unquote healthy or diet foods so that you don't need to have this huge excessive blowout at the weekend uh, and maybe offset all the um, progress that you've made during the week. Now, things like butt rays and um, maybe maybe not a chipper, but things like butt rays, packet crisps, the odd McDonald's, and so on. Again, you can factor these into what you're doing. If you if you're tracking calories or macros, for example, you can make allowances for these. You could maybe have slightly less calories during the week to allow for more at the weekend to still keep you in this calorie deficit or, or whatever it's you're aiming for. Um, and you can have the food and enjoy it without feeling guilty about it or feeling that you've got to go and, you know, just eat broccoli the whole next day. Um, like for me, for example, like uh, what I do is I wouldn't have a chippers on a Tuesday night. I wouldn't drink any beers on a, on a Wednesday night. The reason why I don't do that is because I've got that kind of structure in place so that it is something that I can look forward to at the weekend but it's not out of necessity that I need it. Like I was saying, you know, you don't have to have this cheap meal because you're eating so well. I'm eating good food all throughout the week, but it's a way for me to just keep my calories a little bit under control by not having any alcohol during the week or not having something that's really high calorie, like, um, you know, getting takeaway on a Tuesday and so on. Um, I, I allow for that to happen at the weekend and I've, it, it works fine for me. And for other people too, you can you can also do that as well. Um, and again, if you are making sure that the food you're eating normally is is tasty, then you might not need to go to such extremes at the weekend as well. Does yeah, that make sense? A, yeah, no, that does. And it? it's actually almost like a penny drop moment. You see so many kind of fitness people online who kind of say, oh, I'm having like a massive like cheat day blowout or whatever, or they're have, they refer to like say a Mars bar as a cheat food or whatever. And I suppose it, puts a kind of um, makes you a bit jaded to think oh well so can you literally not have a diet off yeah like, it's like, a sure far like, way to yeah calling a mars bar cheap food is like yeah a certain way to develop unhealthy associations with food yeah definitely um and often the people that are like oh yeah you know cheap meal at the weekend are the ones that are eating chicken broccoli and brown rice at a tupperware box when they go out for dinner with a family because they're so restrictive about what they are eating and they think that they just can't order off a menu. It's got to be, you know, exactly 150 grams of boiled brown rice, 100 grams of chicken breast and a cup of broccoli on the side. It's yeah. It can really, people think it's being healthy. This is what the, 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 the sad thing is that it's perceived as being healthy, but it's really, if you look at how it affects really your, unhealthy, very much so. Yeah, it very much. It's unhealthy, both mentally um, the approach, that super restrictive approach to food is unhealthy. Um, and also, if you're just eating the same thing over and over again, like chicken, broccoli, brown rice, 
And I know it's kind of used as a bit of a joke, but I've seen meal plans that literally that is all that's on it with maybe some almonds and maybe a protein shake. And that is super unhealthy too, because you're not eating a wide enough range of nutrients that your body needs. Like yeah. variety is the spice of life. And I always try and tell people to eat as many different types of food as you can, as many different varieties of fruits, as many different varieties of vegetables. Don't just eat chicken in your fajitas. Sometimes yeah. use beef, sometimes use turkey. Go and buy a duck breast if you see it on offer. You know, just mix things up and you get different nutrients and it's it's healthy. Yeah. And do you ever find with some of like your clients and people who do your programs, do you ever find that you've got to kind of like coerce them into seeing it the way you're doing it is actually better for them than what they've maybe previously done on other diets? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Because it's it's not their fault. It's just the information mm-hmm. that they've been exposed to, um, which is incorrect. So people do have this misconception that they've got to eat quote unquote clean all the time if they want to lose weight. And um, th- when they download like my meal plans, they sort of look at it and go, is this is this for real? <laughs> There's no way I can eat this. I'm like, honestly, just do it for seven days and let me know what happens. And they go, oh my God, I lost all this weight. I'm like, yeah, because we've created the calorie deficit and you're eating normal food and it's high fiber and high in protein. It's filling you up. Um, so yeah, I, I get it all the time, but I, thankfully I've been doing this uh, long enough now that people are more likely to trust me. And they've, yeah. the fact that hundreds of and thousands of people have I've done it as well. Um, they're able to see like reviews of what other people have said too. So yeah, we're, we're okay on that respect. You're a trusted but source. <laughs> I'm a tr- uh, thankfully, yeah, tr- trusted source. So that's why when I eat a buttery, they sort of sit up and go, wait, what? Why is he eating a buttery? Uh, hold on. Yeah, because I remember um, you posted a picture of an iron brew once. And I remember you followed up with a picture of another iron brew and yourself looking very smug, being like, people unfollowed me last time, but I'm going to still drink iron brew type thing. Yeah. Do you, do, you find, yeah. do you still get a bit of a backlash if you if you post anything deemed un, unhealthy? Interestingly, no. Um, That's good. It, it doesn't really happen anymore. anymore. But yeah, I used to get a point when folk about, oh my God, a couple of nutritionists is eating McDonald's <laughs> or, or don't you know an iron brew is full of chemicals? And then I'd be like, well, it's actually, full of, it's full if of you, goodness. If you, it's full of goodness. Yeah, it's really tasty. <laughs> and if you actually look at the evidence, you'll find that moderate consumption of artificially sweetened drinks is totally fine, assuming you're not going, like, drinking 300 cans a day. Yeah. Um, But again, it's just this misconception and exposure to wrong information that, I mean, it was that Diet Coke infographic that did the rounds for ages. You know, this is what happens to your body 30 minutes after drinking a Diet Coke. Jesus. And it was just so wrong um, and so incorrect but it just fuels the uh the belief again that you know oh diet coke is worse for you because chemicals and you're like what what is it that's worse oh well you know it causes cancer and you're like really well if you start exploring it and saying well if you actually look at the data you'll find that it's only been shown in rodent studies and the human equivalent was like 300 cans a day and that both uh, like American Cancer Association and Cancer Research UK and even the NHS on their website saying that moderate consumption of artificially sweetened drink yeah. is um, probably a better option than the full sugar version. So all these folk are like, nah, nah, because I read it on a blog, oh, that is bad for you. My <laughs> mate said, you know, well, thankfully we base our decisions off the evidence base, not what your pal yeah. said down the gym. 
I know it's it's scary the things people pick up on and then just kind of go with it. But that's good that you people have stopped giving you as much ag. Yeah, it, mate, it didn't bother me in the slightest. It was just an opportunity to. Um... <laughs> I could see that you reveled in it when yeah, you posted yeah, it again. <laughs> if, if by me posting drinking an iron brew made somebody just sit up and think, hang on, I've always been taught that I shouldn't be drinking a diet drink. And then if they learn the evidence behind it and it makes a difference, then it's a win win. Yeah, I'll lose some followers, but who cares? I mentioned earlier that I kind of regularly look to your profile for kind of recipe inspiration. What's your uh, go-to recipe? Um, I don't have a go-to recipe as such, but I do regularly cook um, uh, bolognese in the slow cooker or sloppy joes, which is kind of a bolognese. It's more of an American one. um, And traditionally, they would have it in a sandwich, like essentially a, a, a fancy mince piece. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I like it with pasta and it goes in um, sweet potato, baked sweet potatoes and so on as well. So yeah, probably a, some kind of mince dish in the slow cooker I would cook once a week um, and just batch cook it and stick heaps of portions in the freezer. Ah, oh, fine. I really want that now, actually. Sloppy <laughs> Joe or a mince toasty. That's a firm favourite back where I'm from. Yeah, yeah. mince in a sandwich is a winner. I, I've actually had used sort of cold bolognese that was a really thick sauce actually through a salad before worked quite well which sounds ah. odd but it was actually pretty nice on the list on the list so that takes us nicely on to the the last question i've got for you so uh, we just talked about recipes i've been asking every guest on the podcast kind of uh, their key to happiness that is that is something they stick by or something that has got them through the past year what what's your recipe to happiness the one that i get a lot of enjoyment from um is what's well, not even one particular it's i have been cooking a lot of um indian restaurant style curries at home um which is it's quite a palaver uh, and there's lots of prep that goes in that you have to cook this huge vat of the base gravy and then you only cook stuff on individual portions um so that you get a real good reduction the sauce and it caramelizes and so on and you have to have pre-cooked chicken that goes in it which has been marinated and barbecued in advance and all this and it's it takes ages to get all the stuff ready but once you've got it you can knock up these curries that taste absolutely phenomenal um so yeah that's why i've been cooking a lot and we sort of do a couple of curries um every weekend usually on a friday night a few beers so yeah that's what that's what we've been enjoying a lot of have you got the Dishoom cookbook? No, I um the, the ones that I've is this uh, guy who's called Misty Ricardo's Curry Kitchen and also the Dan mm. Toomes um yeah curry guy. Is that what you said? Did you say Dan Toomes or Shoom? What did you say? No, uh, Dishoom. Dishoom, no, Dan Toomes, sorry. Was, no, Dan Toomes, the curry guy, and yeah, Misty Ricardo's Curry Kitchen. Um Oh, Those nice. I'm always is. looking for kind of curry recipes and stuff. Yeah, you should get the, the Shum one as well. It's an um, Indian restaurant in Edinburgh. And I okay. think I've got one in London as well. But yeah, they've got heaps of kind of Indian-inspired dishes nice. and stuff. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Scott. That's been such a great chat. And it's definitely given me a lot of inspiration for how to improve my diet. And I'm definitely getting a pint of milk added into the diet every day for my protein fix. 100%. Perfect. Well, if that's the only thing that Alyssa <laughs> took from it, then I'm, I'm happy. Job done. Uh, no, I was going to say, I've got, 
I've got a, a hefty saved folder on my uh, Instagram of all your recipes. So I've got that to add in um, as well to the mix. So uh, no, I appreciate it. One good. thing on the safe one, it's quite interesting. You see it, you know, when people on that sort of the insights of a post, it shows you like how many people commented or yeah. liked it or favored it and so on. And some of the posts I post, post up that people favor or save like, that's just weird. Why are you saving this photo of me out on a dog walk? <laughs> like, <laughs> unless it's like, oh no, I like the cap he was wearing. I want to get that. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> I, I wonder why people have saved them. But saving a recipe, no, that's that's totally legit. But great, thanks, and uh, we'll speak soon. Like, cheers. Thanks. Perfect time. Just as the dog comes in, I hear. I know. Yeah, he's well. Bad at instant today. I've been leaving him at home. While I've been going to work, and I left for a half day today. And he uh, got into the bin, and <laughs> it was all over the all over the kitchen. Right. So there was uh, three chilies that I threw out, and there was only one left. Oh, nice. So I'm not looking forward to what comes out the other end. Last week it was butter, and the outcome of Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares episode 2 was that Ramsay seemed to cope well with the chillies. Just a shame he couldn't tell me how bad the drink sting was. What an insightful chat with Scott, and I knew that he would shed plenty of light on how to banish the hunger pangs and get the diet just right. Scott's advice of cut back and not cut out definitely stood out to me in something I acted on immediately with the Easter eggs, once they were all gone of course. Links to all of Scott's resources are linked in the description of this podcast, along with all the businesses mentioned throughout the episode. So we have two episodes left for series one of Dishing It, and on next week's penultimate episode, I'm talking to Rosalind Erskine, the digital editor of the Scotsman Food and Drink, and she's going to share her must-eat places from all around Scotland, along with sharing some handy tips for any budding food writers that are out there. Right, I'm going to go make myself a mince toasty, but in the meantime, stay safe, eat well, and speak soon. Bye!